BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one-size-fits-all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off-limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. Hay un problema que afecta a muchos niños que no puedo resolver sola. Se llama estrés tóxico y esto aumenta el riesgo de problemas de salud. Pero hay pasos que los padres pueden tomar para superar el estrés tóxico. Aprende cómo en first5california.com. My name's Chris Lambert. And my name's Travis Bain. This is Film Colossus. It's welcome to Film Colossus. Welcome to Film Colossus. <laughs> your guide to movies. Ah, we have another one here today. I think this is the... I'm so excited to talk about this one. Oh my gosh. mm, This is one of the best, Chris. It really kind of truly is. (laughs) Like, we've talked about movies in the show that I really, really, really like. Like, I love Knock at the Cabin. Um, But this is the first for me that it's like... It's it's on a different level. Like, I feel like it's when we talked about prisoners with you, like for me, this is the kind of movie that this is the reason I watch movies. Like, this is exactly what I'm looking for. It's so, I mean, okay. So we're talking about Chungking Express. Mm-hmm. Uh, one car wise breakouts film, right? I would think, I mean, a, a lot of his early work is revered and I'm sure plenty of people knew about ashes of time and, um what did ashes of time come out before this i think it did yeah um or they came out the same year i think it came out same year yeah Yeah. it said he was working on this while filming or like in a downtime uh yeah while filming ashes of time yeah that's an important part actually to talk about with this movie but yeah that was the case but you know as tears go by he did have movies that were that had i'm sure an audience but chunking express was the one that that blew blew him up I mean, this is one, I mean, let's start with you and your relationship with this one, because this is one that you made me watch. Is that Uh, true? Oh, goodness. I don't remember that. I feel like this is one of those ones back in the day that you were like, you should watch Chunking Express. Wow. I don't think I, I don't think I watched this on my own. I think I was prodded in some capacity by you. I'm sure. I'm sure. I, any chance I get to make someone watch this movie, I'll do it. (laughs) Um, I'm looking at my 
my ratings as like I can trace back to when I rated a movie. I I got this in March 2012. Um, so that I mean, I that yeah. So I I started really getting into movies in 2006, my freshman year of college. Um, and back then it was mostly watching like all the stuff you're supposed to watch. You know, like I watched The Godfather. Like I hadn't even seen stuff like Shawshank Redemption. You know, I I really had no exposure to like adult movies. I guess. Um, and watching and if I ventured outside of like those kinds of classics, the only thing I would watch in terms of like foreign movies would be like French New Wave or Italian neorealism. Basically, like all these things Criterion told me to watch. <laughs> um. So, like, that was my exposure. And I consumed a lot of movies in those early years. So, it does kind of surprise me. I'm looking at this that I didn't watch this movie until March 2012. Um, But I guess I I didn't really get into Japanese or Chinese movies or Korean movies all that much outside of, like, you know, Ozu, like Tokyo Story. So, this was probably right when I was starting to get into those kinds of movies. And I think... So... I I remember specifically actually, um, Chunky Express was probably the first one I watched of all of Juan Carwise movies. But I remember specifically that at my wife's, or she was then my girlfriend. Now she's my ex girlfriend, uh, <laughs> but my then girlfriend's sister's wedding. Uh, because my wife was a bridesmaid, she was gone all day, and I had the whole day to myself. And this sounds really sad and actually makes it sound like I should be a character in Chunkin' Express. But I spent the whole day sitting in a hotel room watching Juan Karamawai movies. <laughs> like the night before and the next day leading up. Like that's all I did. Um, which I, for the record, it is a complete disservice of these movies to watch them on a laptop. But that's what I did. I've watched, I've rewatched them all since. So don't worry. Um but this movie was like in that period. And like, I was really just falling in love with Wong Kar Wai. Like his movies really spoke to me and their energy and what they were doing. Um, and I think even for a while, Fallen Angels was my favorite, but Chunky Express is the only one since then that I've like repeatedly watched over and over. I don't know how many times I've seen it, probably like 10 times or something. <laughs> um, and it's just, it's just this kind of movie. I don't know when it happened. I guess it was like the second or third time I watched it. It, I don't know. It has a certain rhythm, a certain ebb and flow that I just like, I find intoxicating that I just really melt into. And it just, it washes over me and I, and I love the feeling of it. I, I don't get bored by a single second of it, even when nothing's happening. I'm just so invested in these people and like their stories. I never get sick of it. I, I don't know. It's just a movie I've continually revisited over and over. It makes sense to me. I, when I was watching this, I was just like, this is right up Travis's alley. <laughs> like, yeah. It's it's just, it's whimsical. It's insightful. It balances emotions. Uh, it has the, the grayness of a rain cloud, but it's not storming. Mm-hmm. there's something kind of just dynamic to how it has, how it balances everything and how it saturates with emotion and allows you to kind of drift with it. Mm. Right. Yeah. It's, I, I mean, I must've watched this for the first time then not too long after 
you, like 2012, 2013. Yeah, because we first like met each other in 2013, right? <laughs> 2011, Travis. Well, I mean, I met oh, like when you moved to yeah, Iowa. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was 2013, yeah. Yeah. And I think we had both watched it. Like, I think I had watched it by the time I was in Iowa. I would think so. Yeah, so this had to have been in that 2012 we're kind of like prompting each other to watch things. You would just watch this. Um, and I'd been getting into Criterion at that time as well. But I don't think, was this one of the ones that had just like left Criterion at the time? So it was um, considered like a rare Blu-ray to get. Yeah. For a while, a lot of the movies weren't even on Blu-ray. So this might've been one of the ones they added later. Uh, let's see. Oh, here we go. Wikipedia to the rescue. Uh, released on DVD. Oh, and Blu-ray in 2008. Although both versions are now out of print. Yeah. Uh, Criterion has since reclaimed the rights and is currently available. Uh, okay. So, yeah, I guess you're right. It's not available. Do I have it? Do I own it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to look to see if I own this. <laughs> we actually sent Travis into times. investigative mode. Well, maybe I don't own it because... Can you hear me? Barely, barely, barely. This is okay. This is part of podcasting. <laughs> this is peak podcast. This is what you do when you've made hundreds of podcasts. <laughs> okay, so I don't own Chunkin Express. I, I must. It, it's always on Criterion, so that must be how I watched it. Or I've, you know... Yeah, I mean... It's available on something. Yeah, I mean, right now it's on HBO Max. I refuse to call it Max. Uh, so. I don't know why I had to go look to see if I had it because, like, I didn't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> that was so stupid. I do own In the Mood for Love. Um, and I actually, if this movie ever comes out in 4K, I'm I just desperate to buy it. But the only reason I haven't sought it out, tried to buy it, is I'm just praying that someday it'll come out on um, 4K through somebody. I, I hope Criterion. Yeah, I, I mean, it was, it was one of those things because I remember after I watched it, I immediately was like i need to own this movie like i need a copy of this movie and when i looked it up because i just bought a number of criterion movies it was like this is out of print and to get it on ebay is like 150 dollars 200 dollars like it was it and playtime were up there as these out of print gems that people really wanted and there was uh, a moment like six years ago or something, four years ago, where it was available on Amazon. It just <laughs> came up on Amazon. Sure. Like, buy the Blu-ray of Chungking Express from Criterion, and a bunch of people ordered it. It was a post on Reddit. Like, hey, you can buy Chungking Express, and all these people were just like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. <laughs> and I placed my order, and after like three months, they're like, hey, here's your money back. Wow. Well, they did actually re-release it in that uh, box set for Juan Carwai, which, again, I've never bought because I'm hoping they release 4K 4K. UHD someday. Um, These are actually 4K restorations, but it's not UHD. It's not like I need the real deal stuff. (laughs) Yeah, you have that addiction to the UHD. (laughs) And the other thing to note about that um, Juan Carwai collection they released is that there are different cuts of a bunch of the movies, including Chunking Express. I did not know that. That's cool. Um, and it's mostly because it was the only way Walker Y would agree to do 
the box set and like <laughs> give his director's approval, which Criterion always loves to throw out there and let everyone know, like David yeah. Lynch approved. Um, <laughs> and he was really, he, that's one thing I absolutely love about him is that he loves to experiment and he was really interested in re-releasing this movie in a new way. It's like like a remix of a song or something. Like he wanted to show like some other because back then when they were putting together this movie, like like you said, they were just shooting scenes when they could and like throwing them together and it was just like this amalgamation of randomness that they were like trying to make into a movie. Um and at the time they were just doing what they could. They were doing whatever their budget allowed and what they technically knew how to do these days, they know how to do a lot more and they wanted to recut it, which I think is awesome. I would love to experience this movie in a new way. Yeah. That makes me curious. What's that's only in the criterion box set that that's available. I believe so. Interesting. I'll need it to... could be available somewhere else. I guess maybe the 4k restorations were part of those recuts, but um, I think that was the case. It made me curious because at the end credits of the one that's on HBO Max, it mentioned something about 2019 or something. Uh, and it made me wonder if the one on HBO Max might have some of the, if it's the original oh or if it's maybe some of the updated. Interesting. The one I saw on Criterion was just like the one I've always seen. Yeah. I'll check that out. Okay. I'm pretty sure Chunkin Express is one of them. I know for sure Fallen Angels has some like extremely different things going on. That's awesome. I need to go on a whole like Wong Kar Wai. This is still the only Wong Kar Wai movie I've ever seen. Ooh. I need to go on like a whole like like dub K dub bender <laughs> and just like really dive into the filmography. I feel like you would really like Ashes of Time, aren't you in the martial arts? Yeah. 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 I enjoy so. those things. Like the guy in the cover looks like Raiden. <laughs> I like that too. Raiden was played by Christopher Christopher Lambert. Christopher yeah, yeah. Lambert. Your doppelganger. Yeah. Your name doppelganger. Yeah. Namesake. Namesake. Um also this was my second time watching Chunky. I remember the first time finding it so like whimsical and charming and dynamic and fascinating. And it's always stayed at that high level in my brain, but I also didn't remember a lot of it it's been a decade now yeah so this is my first time watching it in a decade and even better than i remember just so fascinating and dynamic and i gotta say i have in the last week watched (laughs) hypnotic by robert rodriguez Mm -hmm. which is the worst performing movie of robert rodriguez and ben affleck's career i'm Um, sure of it so that blackberry which was okay but not like fantastic mm-hmm. and then fast and furious one through eight yeah just in the last like 10 days so to watch chunking express was, it was like relief yeah it was such a different experience and you know i've really i've, I've enjoyed my fast run mm-hmm. um until you got to eight until i got about? to eight which infuriated me and there's a point in this conversation that might <laughs> relate to Fast and Furious 8 <laughs> in our discussion. Fate of the Furious. Fate of the Furious, yeah. Uh, our text message discussion earlier. But yeah, Chunking Express was just so refreshing, just in the context of everything being so bombastic and yeah. so big and so blockbustery. Even 
for as small as blackberry is it has kind of more of that uh, energy of something larger and to yeah. just have kind of the calmness and spirit of chung king was very very refreshing yeah it's um i think it's a key to the movie the kind of low-key humble like everyday kind of feel of it yeah. because the movie's all about these people who live in a city and I, I love the use of the city in general how he says like you know people are point one centimeters away from each other like it, it creates this idea that like there's a hustle and bustle and that's part of the cinematography too like the flashes and swashes of people things are moving at a rapid pace you're constantly passing people yet you feel alone you feel lost you feel missing um you feel like your identity can't possibly stand out in this mess and to me that just kind of captures a a general feeling that i think everybody in the world goes through unless you're just like super rich and awesome and everyone loves you your entire life and nothing's <laughs> ever a problem i guess like but 99% of people like i think can relate to that feeling and it's just a testament i think to the movie that it can it's one thing to like have that be an inherent part of the movie just through like the script and like the way your characters are, but the feeling the movie creates, like the, the constant sense of isolation and Inui and is it Inui? Inui? How do you say that? Ennui. Ennui. I wasn't even close. <laughs> uh, um, I know I, I always read it and like love like what it means and, I, and one day dreamed of using the word, but never thought about how to <laughs> pronounce it. Um, yeah. Ennui. Yeah, Ennui. It, I just love this movie. It, it, like, It's a thing that you almost can't even put into words that a movie's able to capture that so perfectly, and that feeling. Like, how does a movie visualize something like that? Yet, you know, when you watch it, like, you feel it and you sense it. And you're like, I've been through that before. Like, fuck. Like, I want these people to find love, please. <laughs> rooting for them so heavily. Uh, what you're saying about like the location of Hong Kong in this and specifically the Chungking mansion kind of market area is so fascinating because so much of this film is exploring that dynamic, not just between individuals, but also with the externality of somebody and the internality to where it's using these public spaces as very much like the external longing and sense of connection and juxtaposing it with the internal feelings that everybody has in this internal kind of place that is the apartments and the apartment kind of representing this internality, this uh, externalization of the internal. So it's like you have the markets in the outer world as representing the outer world and how this person relates to it. But then the apartment being this more private place within that is such a cool dynamic. And we get a little bit of that in the first story with 223, mm -hmm. uh, as we see him kind of going between really when he's out and about trying to connect over and over again and then seeing how bored he is when he's in his apartment. Yeah. And you really get that sense of him being uncomfortable with himself and needing somebody he can kind of 
connect to. And then you get something similar with 663, where we see how cool, calm, and collected he is when he's out and about in the world. And then he goes back to his apartment and is just <laughs> like in his underwear, talking to his stuffed animals, like anthropomorphizing everything. But everything that he's anthropomorphizing is in him kind of talking to himself through his grief at the end of his relationship it's just so layered and well done and dynamic and fascinating and that use of location and place to capture the external internal dynamics perfect 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 we'd all love to hit skip on our problems now and again but using wheat to deal with stress as a teen won't make your issues go away that's because THC messes with parts of the brain responsible for fear and anxiety, making it even harder to manage them on your own. So even the smaller things can start to feel difficult to handle. Learn better ways to deal with stress at mindovermarijuana.com. That's mindovermarijuana.com. Sponsored by the California Department of Public Health. It's, it's, it's incredible because, like, it's, again, one thing, everything you're saying is, like, technically amazing. Like on paper, you could see what this movie's doing and the dynamics it's setting up. And you're like, that's brilliant. Like, who is this guy? He, he should direct a movie. Oh, he did. He directed this movie. And when he directed it, it he added like, there's, there's that extra layer, I guess is what I'm getting at. Like the way he visualizes that, the way he creates a world that you're watching kind of interact and intertwine between itself, like... It's one thing that Cop Two Tooth or Six Six Three is talking to all of the things in his apartment, but there's something extra added to that when Faye breaks into his apartment and is also interacting with all these things. Yes, and becomes just like an inherent part of his apartment in a way he doesn't know. It creates this ethereal connection between them that she knows about, but he doesn't. Yet he's like in the magic of this movie, he's kind of building a relationship with her in that way, in a way he doesn't know. Yes. It's kind of like, what, what is that? Like that's, that's just such a fascinating and phenomenal thing for a movie to pull off. And, and this is just like a, you know, a simple independent movie that's more magical and wonderful than movies of millions of dollars in budget can do. It's just, it's an incredible directorial feat. I mean, that's just great literary writing. And that's yeah. the thing when we were arguing earlier about showing. So Travis and I were in a discussion, we'll say in a discussion about Fate of the Furious, uh, the mm -hmm. eighth installment in the Fast and Furious. Franchise. I imagine we'll be talking about this movie in a future episode, but go on. Yeah. And it's one that Travis loves. It's number three uh, in your rankings of the Fast franchise. Three or four. So it's meaningful for you. And it was my first time watching it. And I think it's at the bottom for me. And we we're discussing some of our <laughs> uh, back and forth on it. And mine was related to how it brings in Jason Statham to the team because he was just a villain in the previous film. And then he ends this movie as part of the family. And I think there was such a huge hurdle in doing that and that it wasn't really explored well and travis you were arguing that it's shown to us and i was saying i don't think 
what it's doing is necessarily showing. To me, what Chung King does here is showing the way in which it has Faye in the apartment after making that connection between 663 and his apartment with it representing kind of his psyche, his grief. Yeah. And she's coming in and then cleaning up the apartments is essentially her helping him get over the grief of his relationship. And we see that dovetail with him feeling better about everything uh, as the time goes on and eventually he's ready to date other people and you get this relationship that's developed between them in this very different kind of style and way and i think that's handled through showing Faye in the apartment cleaning up the apartment everything this movie does with showing is what i'm looking for for showing and then when i see what fast eight is doing <laughs> it's like in the vein of it but it feels it feels not as like well done to me as this. I understand that. I, it, I mean, again, we'll be talking about Fate of the Furious, I'm sure, very soon. But <laughs> I, I feel like largely what you're more speaking to is just the way we watch movies mm-hmm. um, and how, you know, there's... And I'm talking about Fate of the Furious. Here we go. <laughs> like, there's a scene where... Um, Jason Statham and The Rock are having a conversation and The Rock comes up to him and says like, hey, I found out this thing about you that kind of explains the way you were. And uh, and that could be a simple way of telling, right? Like this tells us something about Jason Statham. But what expands, what expands it beyond just telling and makes it more of a showing instance is that re- Statham responds like, yeah, I researched you do you too and i found this thing about you and i found out we're actually we're pretty alike and i respect you and they have this deeper moment where they actually genuinely connect and then the rock helps him put together the car a little bit and like this even it gives physicality to their connection and then they cap off their conversation with more banter and jokes about each other kind of bringing it back full circle like hey we can still joke around with each other like this is our inherent dynamic yet there is this added layer beneath us now like that alone to me is a moment of telling or or of showing like it it expands beyond like a simple line of dialogue and and shows how their relationship has been deepened and how he is becoming part of this group that is one way of doing it (laughs) um but I, I think that Chunky and Express opts for something very different where people in this movie are constantly disconnected. They aren't meeting at the same moment in time. Um, they aren't providing what the other person's needs in the moment they need it. Uh, you know, Faye wants Cop 663 the entire movie, and it isn't until he's ready to reciprocate uh, and she decides that she needs to escape, that she needs a moment, <laughs> that she needs to give it a year to like see if he still actually wants her in a year. Like that is constantly happening throughout the movie um, in a way that, yes, like that shows something that in that in it brings in an inherent dynamic to the movie that these people are desperate to find love, which creates irony because like love's right in front of them the whole time. They can have it right there if you just like grab this person and like take the love they're giving you. Um, But it's not that easy. We all know it's not that easy and that real love takes time and it's random and it shows up when you least expect it. It 
it's it's just an incredible thing that the movie is able to show. Yeah, and I mean that explanation or that exploration through the multiple stories. It's funny because the second story feels by the time you get to the end of it, I feel like it's easy to kind of forget about the first story. Yeah, um, I agree. And it's 40 minutes long. It's like it's a lot of the movie. Yeah, it's a good chunk. It's just you get such different character journeys. It's like the time spent with Faye and the emphasis put on Faye versus uh, the woman in the wig. <laughs> what do mm. we even call her? Wig woman? Woman sunglasses. in the blonde wig. That's her character name. Yeah. I. Uh, but there is something fascinating to it as well because – there's part of me that started to wonder, especially at the end when Faye has on the sunglasses and her hair is growing a little longer, if you couldn't see the woman in the blonde wig as like a future version of Faye. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's what it's implying. Like, I wouldn't make that as like a primary reading or anything, mm-hmm. but there's just resonances between how the characters kind of behave look the innocence of Faye kind of near the beginning and some of the experienced hard edgedness of the the woman in the wig at the end and just yeah. how they're relating to rain how they're using their sunglasses um i get that the connection's probably a little more just in the poetics of giving it a little bit of like full circle right. resonance between the characters but it is interesting to think of have you heard that they're talking about doing a sequel I have not. Yeah, but welcome it. Apparently, Wong Kar Wai has written a script where it's taking place in like 2036, and it's a spiritual sequel to uh, Chungking Express. Sounds like something he would do. Yeah, and just thinking that it's like a future movie, I think, was in the back of my mind as I was like, yeah. hmm, time travel? No, but it's... Uh, there is something fascinating about the the difference in experience between the characters where the woman in the wig is a little more hardened and a little more experienced than Faye, where yeah. Cop 663 is a little more experienced and hardened than Cop 223. So it's like you have characters that are kind of experienced and inexperienced meeting with each other and trying to find connection. And we see that the innocence of 223 gets through to the woman of the blonde wig. Yeah. Where the innocence of Faye also gets through to 663. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned the the poetics of the movie, uh, which is such an important, you know, vibrating part of this movie. Like these random things that happen repeatedly or like connect two things for no reason at all like like the multiple uses of california dream in or dreams like those songs just playing over and over or the fact that there are expiration dates in both stories mm-hmm. the fact that there are two stewardesses there are two cops there are all these like weird little connections that don't necessarily like mean anything like in the if you're getting specific i guess but they're more meaningful in this general sense that there are these natural connections, these natural everyday occurrences that bind moments and people together. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Like every time 
Cop 663 hears the song California Dreamin', he's going to think of Faye. Like, he's still playing the song a year after Faye left. And, you know, he's back in the the store where she used to work. It just means something to him different now. And, like, I love that about the movie, that it it's not so much worried about creating these, like, logical pairings between things and, like, making this full-fledged story that connects. Like, these are just, like, natural things that everyone can relate to that you assign a certain song to a certain person. Um, and I just think that's, that's, that is the way these stories connect. Like you're right to point out, um, that you have an experienced lover connecting with an inexperienced lover, like someone who's hardened, uh, connecting with someone who's a little more naive. Like there is that connection there. Um, but more than anything, I think it's just like this general, just the atmosphere of love, I think, is what connects everything here. Like the, the, these little, simple realities of life, these everyday things that happen that you associate with certain people and certain feelings. And they may not mean anything to anyone else, but they mean like the world to you. And that's all that matters. Yeah, there's something to the, I think what you're getting at with some of the duality aspects is you could do something like that because it's thematically deep and yes. relevant but you could also do something like that just because it's part of the aesthetic and world building and sensibility of tone that you're trying to yeah, establish totally. and for some reason it's making me think of spirited away and it's like you know we look at spirited away and we talk about it as um a defamiliarization of the coming of age story and a lot of the details we see in that with the main character as she, I forget her name, but as she's going through this spirit world with all these different creatures and beings and she's having to get a job and kind of like work to build up funds to save her family. It's, it's such a classic kind of coming of age story put in this very weird package but so many of the odds and ends that we see in that movie that we kind of fall in love with because they're so strange and so interesting aren't necessarily there for the theme they're just there to support this interesting world and tone that's surrounding this character and her journey and the more that you can take a familiar story and find ways to make the world around it feel unique and built up and powerful by making choices like having these poetic resonances it doesn't have yeah. to mean more than the fact that you have them yes it can just be but it adds something like very special to the experience that's dynamic and different from another version of this story like this movie's not that different from uh, Parisia Tem. Right. <laughs> but, a movie I'm sure everybody's seen. <laughs> yeah, right. Everybody listening to this has watched Parisia Tem, right? I feel like uh, that's a movie that if you were like really in the movies in the year 2007. <laughs> yeah, and, like, which is... If you were born, you know, any time after like 95, you probably would never see this movie and, and never will. Which is a shame because Parisia Thames like uh, I love great. that movie. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like Chung King fits like with that, but you compare 
the way in which this explores the concepts of love versus the way that does like very similar ideas but the stylistic differences is what makes this stand out in a way that's yeah some of the stories in that do don't it just this feels uniquely itself because of those little uh not little choices but those choices that one car wide made yeah i mean you know pre-j tim it's it's a bunch of short films by different directors they are inherently bound by the stories of love um but you're right that I mean this is a completely different beast. It's Wonker Wise controlling every element of it. Um, but it that doesn't necessarily mean it's easy to do. Like just he has two love stories here that aren't necessarily alike, yet they feel of one. Which I think a big part of that has to do with you know, the end of the first story, Cop two two three, he's talking about we're meeting him at the moment he fell in love with somebody. He, he, we see him go through all this shit and we see this woman in her element, you know, doing her job kind of the way she is. She, I, I feel like almost she's just introduce, introducing us to the hustle bustle life of, of, uh, <laughs> uh, what, what is it? What, what town are they in? Um, uh, it's based on the Chungking mansions in Hong Kong. But yes. It's like Simsha Su. Okay. Uh, yeah. The, Shim- Simsha Suite. The mansions. Yeah, that was mostly what I was thinking of. Just the the chaos that is of that area and like what it can feel like to live in that space. Um, but it's interesting that like, you know, it's all this build to the moment where this guy sees this woman and decides like she's going to be what solves his problems. Um, and we start in the opposite end when we go to the second story where we meet Faye the moment she falls in love with this guy. We don't know anything about her yet. Yet in that moment, she, quote, falls in love with him. Like, you feel like you do. Like, you feel like you know her completely and the way she's looking at him and and eyeing him and, like, being cautious around him and just the general tenor of their conversation. Um, and he's in a moment of a breakup. So we see him now going on that same trajectory that Cop 223 was going on, yet we're seeing him at the very beginning of it and working through it the entire time. It, it creates this like beautiful flow from one story to the other that again, like the stories are different. We're going on different paths yet. Like it feels like one just kind of neatly leads into the other and creates this connection. Like you could, this movie could end, could end with uh Faye bumping shoulders with some guy accidentally. And this guy is going through the exact same thing. Yeah. And the whole movie kind of has that feel that these stories of love are interconnected and intertwined and just flow throughout the world. And nobody's story is too small for a movie. Like everyone, the pain, the suffering, the excitement you feel in a love story, like that's something we can all relate to. And it's, it's enough for a story. It's just how you explore that story. And the fact that Wong Kar Wai is exploring like all these seemingly simple elements you know, like people talking to objects or eating expired food, like all these silly things. Like those things are really important to people. It's it's an amazing thing. The that's what these that's how these stories are connected. Just how dedicated these people are to finding contentment and finding love and fixing themselves. Uh, slight correction: the the markets are the Lan Kwai Fong uh, oh, markets in got it. Central Hong Kong. Nice. 
but Chungking is where Wong Kar Wai, like yes. near where he grew up, um, or where he like not near, but where he grew up. So he's kind of combining those aspects. I wrote about um, this. I should know this. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's is something. I think that metaphor with the. I think the thing that stands out to me about this movie and what it does so well, aside from just those resonances, how it explores the theme, but I think the the moment that really wins me over each time, and I'm not typically a fan of voiceover, but the voiceover is so good in this, but it's when 223 uh, starts talking about the pineapples and he's buying like the can of pineapples and using it as this metaphor for the idea of his pain just and it gets back to what i was talking about earlier with uh inter interiority and externality or internality externality sure but he's Wong Kar Wai is able to have this character's emotional like pain symbolized by the cans of pineapple and the expiration date on the pineapple and by tying those things together and by really like making this object representative of this emotional thing that all of us go through it creates this very like poignant simple metaphor that becomes incredibly powerful even while being comedic and mm. kind of silly it's one of those things you're like oh that's goofy but then you also completely get it Totally. We've all kind of been there with that idea of like having these hopes that have an expiration of maybe she'll come back, but then also having this pain that also too has an expiration. Um, so I, I like that duality in the way in which he then extends that to uh, 663 and the things in 663's apartment is just <laughs> such a masterful use of symbolism in a movie uh that it's another like genius thing that Wong Kar Wai does in this and I do want to say too that I I like that the that the first story isn't as traditional of a romance as the second story mm -hmm. that it's like the woman in the wig is going through kind of a rough time <laughs> like she it seems like her life is difficult in the drug trafficking world she's in the people she's around she seems very guarded in a lot of ways and then is betrayed by apparently the person that she's working for or working with um so it's like both she and 223 just are looking for somebody to be kind to them right and the fact that they each get that, that it doesn't have to be this long, amazing romance that they share. Maybe it becomes that. You know, mm -hmm. I don't know. But at least she just needed a place to rest and somebody that she could feel comfortable around. And he provided that for her and took care of her, cleaned her shoes, like showed her this kindness in a time where she's very stressed and he just wanted somebody to like, recognize him and his birthday and to give him like this attention, this moment of attention and the fact that she took the time to page him. It's such a simple thing, but just shows the ways in which we can have these positive impacts on somebody else's life just by being kind in a moment, not by dedicating your life to them, not by having this grand romantic 
like experience with them but just by finding these little moments to give somebody something that they need whether you know it's exactly what they need or not at the time that can have a profound uh effect yeah it really paints love in a very complicated way like it isn't just that you're falling in love with a person like this person is this thing and likes this and i like that too it it's something beyond that like it's it represents you fall in love with like what they bring to you in your life uh the kind of person they turn you into which everything you just described i think applies you know cop six or two two three says i'm gonna fall in love with the first woman that walks in here and he does and <laughs> in a way he's falling in love with like the idea of her and what she will bring to him and he kind of I, I mean to me inherently that's beautiful i mean people get married without ever meeting each other and they find lifelong happiness like I, I, love can manifest in so many different ways and whatever a person is no matter like who they are like whatever their mannerisms are the kind of person they are like they can give you something you know if you're willing to initiate that love and spark something um so the fact that those first two find that with each other in a moment where they really needed it like they're both kind of on the fringes in that moment like they're at these climactic moments in their life and like they find someone else that provides some sort of relief um that's what's awesome about the second story is that cop 663 doesn't even realize Faye could give that to him and this moment where he's just so hurt and this woman is so willing to give him her love he doesn't even realize it like we have to watch him go through a lot to get to this point and at the moment he is finally ready for her she isn't ready for him it's it creates it just creates this, what I think is a very realistic and complicated look at love and how it's not something that always caters exactly to what we want and need or what we think we want and need. It's something elastic. <laughs> it's something that takes time to understand and like form into what you need it to be. It's something that it, it, it takes cop 663 a long time to realize like who she is. Like she's standing in front of him the whole time yet. It isn't until it's too late that he's like, Oh, like, Faye is this like she's been here doing this like she's a part of my life in a way I didn't even realize it's such a it's just so cool to do that again I'm just sitting here just amazed that someone can visualize these kinds of things um it's 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 still amazing it's just amazing that it still resonates to this day like this movie doesn't feel like it's aged at all no it's so relevant uh and so I mean I guess anything pre post cell phone but you don't really like even think about it with the pager that could just be waiting for a text message. Right. Right. Um, there's something too, that I really love. Like you were talking about, uh, Faye, that moment where he's six, six, three is leaning back and drinking the coffee and he's mm. just kind of standing against the wall and she has her head on her hands and is just staring at him from across the way and it's raining is Love it raining it. i don't know but they're standing there and it's just like this extended scene of her looking at him and yeah it's capturing exactly what you're saying of him being 
I mean, he kind of knows they're kind of like eyeing each other, but he's kind of also not I think he's like just he... a flirtatious guy. Yeah. <laughs> I to always think back, especially with the final line when he's just like wherever you uh wherever you want to take me. Is yeah. that what it's wherever you want to take like me? Something like that. Uh Wikipedia says wherever you will take me, but I feel like that wasn't what it was in the I the feel HBO like it's wherever Max. you wherever you want to take me. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Um it's such a smooth line, and yeah. I just think back to the shop owner being like, "Hey, six six three has a way with the women, doesn't he?" <laughs> it's like, yeah, he's smooth. He's <laughs> that's just Tony Lunn. He just like he naturally brings that charisma. Yeah, I didn't realize he's in a lot of Wong Kar Wai's movies. He's he's in a handful. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, he's I... got so much star power just watching him. I'm interested to hear what you think of In the Mood for Love. It's the only Wan Kar movie, Wan Kar Wai movie I've never quite loved as much as everyone else. Okay. I'm excited to let you know how and I I've feel I've seen about it three it. times now. <laughs> <laughs> um, Keep trying to make myself like it. I think the, it was funny to me, the thing that was kind of most surprising is I remembered being disappointed that the two of them didn't end up together at the end. And... I didn't expect when I got to the end on the second one for it to be so positive where I was like, Oh no, there is like hope for them. Like you can read this as now they're going to have the opportunity to kind of dates. I think see where it goes. Um, so I didn't remember that. (laughs) So that was very nice and pleasing. (laughs) Yeah. That's another thing about these movies. Like, I tear up at the end of both stories, like when cop two, two, three is just so happy that he got this message from this woman. He's like, I'm going to remember her forever now because of this, because like, I really needed this. And for cop six, six, three to be so ready to like take on a life with this woman and say like, I'll go wherever you take me, like do it woman, like write it down. Uh, (laughs) There's something that could be so cheesy in another movie like like it's opting for sentimentality but it just really doesn't feel like that at all like it feels very real and of what's happening in a way that i think can only be accomplished you know when you realized your your vision when the aesthetic is like fully formed these movies this movie <laughs> these two movies in this movie just do such an amazing job of that uh one thing i think it's the last thing that kind of comes to mind but we talked about very briefly about how this was made while he was making um what is ashes it of ashes time. of time yeah during a two-month break from editing ashes of time he put this together and as you were describing a few minutes ago how it deals with love and looking at love something that jumped out to me was just the how focused this is on moments rather mm-hmm. than the grandiosity of finding true love forever in the sense of the notebook or something. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, We're kind of just focused on these slices of life for the characters and not sure where it will take each of them. If it's just kind of a passing like ships passing in the night and they give each other temporarily what they need, but there's something very nice or kind of fitting about the fact that, this was a movie that was filmed in a moment in time, like a break while editing another film. And then it just kind of 
uses essentially that frame or that backdrop of the franticness of which it was made to kind of frame how it's exploring love and bring that same energy to looking at these moments in kind of a frantic um, bit by bit way. It's like, it's all it had time for, but it also captures something that so many movies never have the time to get to, which I think is also to go back to Paris Jatem, something that that movie kind of does well in capturing just these little moments in different facets of love. Yeah. You're basically describing one of the main reasons I love this movie more than like all movies is <laughs> movies that are able to do something like that. Like I like a well-formed masterful movie as much as the next guy. You know, I, I like Magnolia and Maholland drive. These like realized grand visions with like complicated stories that are that in the end, like everything comes together. But there's a movie that's like this, that really gets me jazzed as well that I love just because of the effort being put in. Like you can really feel the effort and the care and commitment that's going into it where, you know, Wonka, why like shit, he's got, a, he's got two months to put this movie together. Like let's throw together a bunch of like random shit we filmed and like, <laughs> well, let's make it all connect and let's find some beautiful moments that any other movie wouldn't mean anything, but in this movie, they mean everything. Like, this is the moment you understand a character. I just, I love movies like that, where it's, it it goes beyond, like, the story and the characters. Like, it's the way they made it, the care and attention that was given to it becomes a part of the movie, becomes part of the aesthetic, becomes part of, like, the fervor and, like, the energy of watching it. That's that's just what I feel the whole time watching this movie. I think that's why I never get bored of it. I just I just fall into these scenes every time. It I I can sense that just the hard work that was put into it, like how much <laughs> they cared about everything. It's so cool. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Like it's an achievement. It's a unique experience. It's resonant resonant with like something everybody can relate to whether it's something you went through in high school or your early like early 20s or just like with 663 the falling apart of a relationship you thought was going somewhere um or was established and you're kind of recovering and rebuilding your life it's it's a movie that feels like it transcends language and time and culture to just yeah. be like truly the human experience and the human condition. I think that's a good way to end things. Yeah. Um, where's it rank for you? You know, I, I hadn't thought about this right before we started the call. I was like, Oh yeah, I got to rank it. And I think on my letterboxd, um, I currently have 14 movies that are rated five stars. Let's see. How many movies we got, Travis? Show off a little. Um, (laughs) Out of 3,700-something movies, I have 14 with five stars. I think this is a new one. Like, this watch was one where I was like, oh, yeah, like, I love this movie in ways that, like, I don't think I can say I love any other movie. So it's got to be near the top. I think... (laughs) 
<laughs> looking at my uh so i only have eight movies right now that i've watched that i would in my all-time rankings sorry god I, we have to explain this every time so we have these rankings on our site um and we call them our all-time rankings but really they're the rankings of every movie we've watched since starting this list in 2022 um and my list has like 380 ish movies on it like that's how many movies i've watched in the last year and a half um and eight of the movies i've watched have been five stars in quotes even though really all time i've had 14. i'm gonna add a 15th one here so this is gonna be my 15th five star rating and in the top eight that i currently have here i think i'm gonna put it at god i just love it to death i'll put it at number five what's above it what's below it so above it is showgirls are number one of course of course, uh, of course. Magnolia, Mulholland Drive, Magic Mike XXL, Thin Chunkin Express. Um, and then below that, we got Superbad, Lawrence of Arabia, Terrifier 2, and Flash Gordon. That's such a diverse. <laughs> it's diverse is the kindest word you could use. I think it's the most diverse, like top nine movies a single person could have. <laughs> You're just missing something animated in there. Well, Spirited Away would go in there. Oh, yeah. Then, <laughs> it, Whenever I watch it, it'll be able to go in that list. It, that that's, one might be, you know, two or three or something. That's perfect. Then you have the whole range of <laughs> movies covered. Um, it's funny because I, hearing those movies, I know how much... I know personally how many of those are, like, in your top... Like, there's some of your top movies. And then I look at my list... And my top 10, none of my top 10, I think, are in my top 10. <laughs> you got to watch those movies more often, Chris. I know. What am That's I doing how I to live. myself? What am I doing to myself? It's been such a long time since I've watched some of my favorite movies. Got it. Um, so I think I would put Chung King. It's either coming in at one or two. Oh, wow. I think I'm putting it at number two um, behind American Psycho above Black Swan. Wow. So, I mean, that's a hell of a top three right there. Yeah, which American Psycho, I think, still goes ahead because it's just endlessly funny to me. <laughs> which, yeah. Uh, but also how it explores perception and what it's saying about like, society and political climate. It's just, it gets at my headiness a bit yeah. more. Um, where Chung King gets at my like romanticism a bit more. So I think in this case, headiness uh, kind of wins out. But yeah, Chung King definitely goes above Black Swan. Love and it. Prisoners. Wow. I especially love to hear that. <laughs> that was good. And do we know what we're doing next time? Shit. Um, we talked about Vanilla Sky. Yeah, do we want to do that? Do we want to do something? Do we want to do the fast movies? Oh, the fast movies. Now, is it a thing where we're just going to talk about all the fast movies? I mean, we could pick a spe specific one. We could talk all of them if you want to talk all of them. I mean, part of me wants to go big or go home and have 10 episodes, one for each movie. <laughs> um, if not that, I think I would just say, yeah, we could talk about it generally. Uh, it could maybe be even like a three-part episode where we slowly work our way through them. Yeah. All right. We'll see. We'll we'll 
talk about what we'll do with it, but maybe maybe kick it up because we've done some esoteric ones recently. Yeah, um, might be good to get back into blockbuster territory. I you don't have to argue with me. <laughs> All right then. All right. Well, until then, until until the Fast and the Furious, we're gonna take it slow. Family. Got a big question to ask. Anything? Do you wanna do anything? Baby, do a thing with me. It's me. So good. Come on and do a thing with me. At Merrill West Credit Union, we're working towards a brighter financial future for both our members and our community, knowing that when you succeed, we all succeed. That starts with a solid financial foundation. As a credit union, we have no stockholders demanding profits. Our commitment is to our members. Experience the difference with our Money Market Max Bonus Promotion, offering a cash incentive for letting us protect and grow your money. Merowest Credit Union, working for you. Today, tomorrow, together. Merowest Credit Union is insured by NCUA. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.